There is a place I'd give the world to see Where the music's softly playing And the rhythm's gently swaying Underneath the stars in a million bars Guitars are softly saying Mexico well, there you are. We were uh, talking about the 1970 uh, World Cup, and that's um, that's where that comes from. Uh, Long John Baldry in uh, Mexico, which is where we go now to uh, Campeche uh, in Mexico, and say um, a warm welcome to John Bonfilio. Uh, John, thanks for joining us. Very good evening, Martin. Now, let's start off with this crime scene that's uh, recently been found in southern Mexico. Uh, but it's a crime scene from um, quite a long time ago, actually, as it happens. It is a classic mistake by the authorities, which, you know, the authorities here are pretty good at making classic mistakes. <laughs> uh, this is a funny one, actually, because it goes back a decade. Uh, so 2012, a group of investigators were alerted to about uh, a finding of about 150 skulls in a cave close to the Guatemalan border between uh, Mexico and obviously uh, Guatemala and immediately declared a crime scene. So removed the skulls uh, to the state capital, Tuxla Gutierrez, and then have since taken 10 years to uh, to investigate the crime scene, to analyse the evidence and so on. And they were right that it was a crime scene, but they, they were wrong in thinking that it was a recent crime scene related to the cartels or people trafficking, and in fact was related to a ritual sacrifice which took place probably around a thousand years ago. Um, so, I mean, actually, I guess in some ways it is defensible, their initial mistake, because mm. the finding doesn't go down the standard operating procedure or findings of uh, the, the traditional kind of skull mountains that were that the Aztecs and the Mayans used to used to build the skulls were were largely intact ordinarily skull racks from the Aztec and Mayan empire have holes in the skulls and and so on they weren't organized in that particular way so it did seem to them at least that the uh, you know it was basically a result of uh, a number of decapitated uh, heads that were thrown into a cave but yeah findings uh, suggest that very far from it that it was uh, it was obviously bodies from over a thousand years ago. Wow, that, I mean that is a cold case, isn't it? Really. Um, yeah, and and actually, interestingly, one of the archaeologists involved said, "Well, you know, this goes to show that you know when you find 150 skulls in a cave, you shouldn't just call the police. You should call an archaeologist. You know, like anybody <laughs> who just happens across 150 skulls in a cave can can knowingly differentiate between you know a skull from 150 years ago." Or that's been uh, buried two or three years ago and has just emerged from under the under the soil. I definitely don't have that skill base. I I guess Martin, you don't either. No, I'm not not uh, experienced at uh, looking at uh, skulls on a on a regular basis, really. Um, although sometimes you know when you're um, in Morecambe, you see some of these people cropped up in bus shelters there, and you think they look like skulls, but. Uh, obviously not. Now, it's uh, hot, hot, hot in Campeche, where you are at the moment, which is interesting because my daughter is actually in Mexico as we speak in uh, Cancun, which obviously is the seaside uh, uh, tourist place. And it seems very pleasant. I mean, she, there's pictures, she sent pictures of her sunbathing and everything. It's a bit different where you are. 
Is 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 she uh, is she is she working on a story there, or is it a holiday time? No, just a holiday. She's got a week off, ah. and as she's already uh, quite handy, she you know is based in Washington. Uh, I think it's about a three-hour flight. Um, she decided she'd uh, go and meet her friend who was on holiday there. So, yeah, she's just there for a week, but um, seems very pleasant. Well, slightly yeah. less pleasant where you are. I think, look, you know, there's a holiday vibe thing, which is, you know, you get away for for a week and it's hot and it's refreshing and you have an air-conditioned room and a sea breeze and a cold beer. And, and that's a particular vibe. When you live in the tropics, uh, I mean, it very much reminds me of you know, Robin Williams, Adrian Cronau, Good Morning Vietnam, the hot, real hot, so hot I could cook, could cook in my shorts line, <laughs> which is, <laughs> which yeah, is an good. absolute... Which is an absolute classic, but you no, know, look, we are here, uh, yeah, very much in the thick of the, the classic heat here is after winter is basically spring, March, April, May, where the temperatures just gradually rise and rise and rise before the rains come. Um, and yeah, very rare to, you, you know, you don't see people out during the heat of the day. It's the opposite, but like, you know, when the sun, um, when there's a sunny day in Glasgow and everybody walks on the sunny side of the street, it's mm. the opposite here. Every, you know, nobody would be seen dead walking on the sunny side of the street. It's very, very much the reverse. And actually, it, you know, it leads to, I guess, understandably, some, um, you know, a number of cultural differences in terms of how people behave. The obvious one being, you know, that people don't go out in the, in the heat of the day. But actually, the working day here, historically, it's changed a little bit now with, you know, the onset of globalization and offices and so on. So, you do tend to get now people going back to work after lunch, but the classic working day here would be a sort of 6 a.m., 6.30 a.m. start to a, to a lunchtime finish and then the afternoon and evening at, uh, at home, which is obviously, you know, linked to, to heat and heat avoidance. And, and also with the, as I referenced before, with the onset of the rains uh, here that are, that are due soon, those uh, tend to be really violent. So people here are very conscious of, which for, you know, for an Englishman, uh, is, is very strange because there's almost perpetually a cloud overhead, but here there never is. So as soon as a cloud emerges here, everybody starts looking up, uh, to, to see quite what's going to happen because as soon as a raindrop falls, everybody freaks out. Not because they're terrified of a light drizzle, but because light drizzle doesn't exist here because basically mm. from here you go from clear blue sky through to major violent, uh, you know, you know flooding. Thunderstorm. There are some pavements in in Campeche uh, which lead into uh, some some big uh, architectural drains which are over two meters high because the wow. water f- flows down the streets and and they've had to build those pay- pavements up over over time because as you know, it's, it's an old colonial city so as it was built the roads served as drainage as well so the roads serve as the funneling devices for uh, for the rains, and as soon as you get any kind of rain, which is basically, you know, as I say, as a as a raindrop falls, you know, flood flooding is massive, and uh, and people really, you know, immediately run home to make sure, actually, literally, to batten down the hatches. Like the room that I'm in now actually has, it actually has big bars, wooden kind of bars that you put into the back of windows, you know, almost in a kind of uh, Humphrey Bogart Key Largo kind of hurricane situation. Because the windows will just blow open in any kind of storm. So you need to physically reinforce doors and windows here for, you know, for Armageddon not to, not to enter your lodging. Wow. 
Yeah, well, you know, we, we don't know, living in such a temperate climate as we do in the UK, you, you know, you just really do not appreciate the precautions that you have to take. And uh, as you say, you have to keep out that uh, heat. So what would be the temperature at the moment? You know, you say it's hot, 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 um, sort of 90 we're, degrees, 100 degrees. It's we're on. Uh, I, I'm not really great at Fahrenheit, I'm afraid. Uh, oh. We are, uh, it's about um, half, what is it, about 20 past eight now, something like that, in, yeah. in Mexico now, and we're on 32, 33 degrees Celsius, wow. and in the, in the afternoons we'll go up to 36, 37 oh. probably uh, at the moment. Yeah, look, it's it's very present for sure. It's um, it's one of those things that, yeah, it, look, you know, everywhere you are, it's definitely not Morecambe. It's definitely not a bus stop no. in Morecambe. <laughs> no, it certainly isn't. It certainly isn't. Uh, now, we've just uh, had the uh, the case in the UK uh, with uh, Boris Becker. Uh, it's, a fr- it's a fraud case. He's gone to prison for two and a half years, got himself straight into the prison tennis team. Yeah, no problems <laughs> straight into the team. Uh, so, so let's talk about sports stars in prison. Um, Ronaldinho, what's the latest on uh, on him? But the question with Boris Becker is, when he wins... Is he going to win a roasted pig like Ronaldinho <laughs> did in Paraguay? <laughs> yes, that is true. Um, so, uh, I mean, is he still in prison in Paraguay or was he released? No, he, 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 got, he got out a while ago. Um, he, it was him and his brother and then they were, they were basically on, they were released from, from prison after winning a number of five-a-side uh, tournaments. You know, I think Ronaldinho is one of those figures who's going to be happy wherever he is in the mm. world. Uh, because the photos from that period in, in a Paraguayan jail were, you know, always of him smiling wide, widely, as he always did. And then they were released into house arrest in Asuncion, in the capital of Paraguay, where we spoke about that. We were following this very closely on your show, uh, Martin. Uh, what was it, like a year and a half ago, I guess, mm, now? Yeah, about that, yeah. And, um, and, uh, and yeah, they, they took over a whole hotel in Asuncion, uh, where there, there weren't just rumours, but a lot of, know, uh, uh, I guess kind of verbatim reports of what was taking place in the hotel, which was not so much football related, but was very much, you know, drink and young ladies uh, related. And that's basically, you know, the, the you know, the, the kind of the smiling Ronaldinho again, wherever he goes, he, he has a, a, a party. And actually, over the, the course of the last week or so, there's been a lot of one of the ex-trainers of the Querétaro, the Gallos football team here, uh, has been recounting some of Ronaldinho's time at, at the at the club in 2015, and there's this this anecdote which now is wasn't heard before, but has become famous now. Where apparently, because his brother who was in prison with him in Paraguay, and actually it was his brother who actually uh, faked his passport to to go into Paraguay, and it was always Ronaldinho's defence. He said, "I didn't know what was going on," and actually that mm. that holds true with much of the rest of Ronaldinho's life, because apparently his brother went off on. Uh, on a U.S. visit to negotiate a contract for him in 2015 when he was with with Caretro. And he didn't leave Ronaldinho with any uh, bank cards, any cash or anything. Allegedly, at that time, Ronaldinho didn't even know the banks existed. So he went to his bosses at Caretro and asked for a loan because he didn't know, you know where money came from because his brother uh, organized it all. And at the same time, he famously never attended training on Mondays because, you know, that wasn't really his thing, which which initially was met with with ire by his uh, by his uh, by his teammates, but actually over time, Ronaldinho was playing so amazingly, and the Gallos Blancos were doing so well in the league that it became almost a ritual that he wouldn't 
turn up to training on a Monday. And then one Monday, he actually decided he was going to go and visit them. And they ran him off the training pitch because they regarded it as a as a bad luck. Bad over. luck, yeah. Um, but at the moment, Ronaldinho is mostly, strangely enough, involved, which Jed will be very happy about, in the crypto world. He is an ambassador <laughs> for, uh, for Graph Blockchain. <laughs> he has established his own digital uh, token called RON, uh, remarkably, in which you can become part of the Ronaldinho uh, multiverse if you uh, purchase or win one of these uh, tokens, and you can be very close to him on a on a day-to-day basis. And it does seem as though he's one of these, which I guess you know should be no surprise to us in terms of this, you know, amazing but strange individual who does unusual things. That he mm. is at the forefront of evangelism for, uh, yeah, for the for, for crypto. Yeah. Oh, well, that's marvellous news for Jed. His, uh, his 20 quid in cryptocurrency is uh, going through the roof at the moment. Um, <laughs> thank you. Th- thank you ever so much, uh, John. I uh, do appreciate it. John Bonfilio uh, joining us from Campeche in Mexico. I'm